There's a folklore uh, from ancient times about a rabbi by the name of Akiva. One day, Akiva decided that he was finally going to walk into town the miles to the village so that he could restock his supplies. When he arrived, he purchased all the supplies he needed and started his long track back home. While making the long journey, Akiva began to ponder life's deepest questions. Like, why am I here? What does it all mean? He began to really search his soul. Akiva thought about his life, the people that he cared about, and the accomplishments that he had been a part of. He contemplated who he was as a person and how he felt others viewed him, wondering if his life really mattered. He became so lost in his thoughts that he took a wrong turn and without realizing it, was heading in the wrong direction. It was only when he came to a Roman gate that he realized how off course he was. As Akiva approached the gate, he heard a booming voice of a guard. Who are you and why are you here? The rabbi answered the question with a question. He said, how much do you get paid to stand here and call out those questions? To which the Roman guard said, I receive five drachma a week. Upon hearing this, Akiva responded, leave your post and come with me. I will pay you twice as much to stand at the door of my house and ask me those questions every time I come and go, who are you and why are you here? This is the question that I want to solidify the answer in your life through this series. We've titled this, Identify. Turn to the person next to you and say, Identify. You can do a little bit better than that. Turn to the other side and say, Identify. Who are you? Who are you? How do you identify yourself? Do you identify yourself as the former high school football star? Is that who you are? Are you, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Are you a Libertarian? Is that who you are? Are you black? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? Are you Asian? Is that who you are? Are, are, you, are, are, are you identified by your sexual temptations? Are you identified by your past failures? Are you identified by your educational status or the lack there? Who are you? As a Christian, I began to take you down this journey last week by answering the question who you are based on who God says you are. And we started first and foremost by looking at this moment that Jesus had with Peter. He was called Simon, son of Jonah, Simon Peter. Peter almost was like a middle name. My middle name is Michael. I don't go by Michael. I go by Adam, Adam Michael McCain. And so Simon went by Simon. You see much in Scripture. But Jesus had this engagement with his disciples. We taught you this last week. And in this engagement, he asked them, he said, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some say you're a great prophet. You're a really good dude. I mean, you're like, like, like you're really nice, and you, you mean you see things, and you do miracles. And Jesus said, but who do you? You're my followers. Who do you say that I am? And in that moment, Simon shoots out. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, Peter, and Jesus went, what the what? He said, boy, what? He said, you didn't get that from just hanging around other people. He said, only my Father in heaven could reveal that to you. You have a revelation of who I am. In that moment, something shifted in Peter's identity. He was no longer the little fisherman dude. He was no longer the little dude running around some prophet guy. He now understood, I am connected with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am his follower. Therefore, I am transformed into his image. I am a new creature in Christ. And Jesus said, and I tell you who you are. You are Peter. And he goes to his middle name, and he does this little play on words because Peter's, Peter's name in the Greek actually means rock. 
And he then continues on. He says, and I call, and, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And what Jesus is doing is he's painting a picture. In those days, their beautiful roads were made out of cobblestone. They would take a rock, and they would set it into a dirt path. And then they would take other rocks and other rocks and build them all around. And, then, and, then, and put pressure on them to flatten them out. And he says, what you just said, you are a new creature in Christ. And Peter, you are the starting point of all the other believers and all the other followers that come into a place of understanding that they now are a new creature in Christ. And I taught you that the moment you ask Jesus into your life and repent of your sins and declare yourself a follower of Christ, you become a new creation. That's what the Bible says. The problem is we still have an old man. And here's the issue is that many of us still identify as the old man trying to be a good new man. And that place alone is the failure point because who you identify with is who you will become. Who you are will determine what you do. And so many Christians are trying to do good instead of understanding that they are good in Christ. They're a new creature in Christ. And what we keep doing is we keep battling from a position of I am, I'm a, I'm a wicked person. I have these hidden things that nobody knows about. I am, I'm identified with my old man and say, oh, I'm just trying to be good. I'm just trying to be like, the, like a Christian. I just want to be a better Christian. Instead of saying, no, I am a new creature in Christ and I am battling with the old man who keeps trying to bring the old ways back into my life, but I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that pervert anymore. I'm not that liar anymore. I'm not that thief anymore. I'm not that deadbeat dad anymore. I am a new creature in Christ. And until you make that identity shift, you're constantly struggling, constantly struggling. How many times have I had people tell me, you know, I tried to be a Christian, just didn't work out. What? That's like trying to say, you know, I, I'm trying to be a, a man, but it just didn't work out. I just, I'm not here. I don't know, I'm, I'm an alien. I don't know what I am. Who you identify yourself as is who you will be. And so the first stage in our identity shifting and understanding is that we're a new creature in Christ. And when we see that God helps people grasp us, sometimes in Scripture he actually changed their name. And so as we dive into today's teaching, I want you to understand that first and foremost, you're a, new, you're a new creature in Christ. And then today, I want to help you understand part two of this is that you are the dependent heir. Would you say that with me? The dependent heir. I use these words very specifically. At, at one point, I was going to try to title this message, the obedient servant or the obedient follower. But that really doesn't put into perspective what we really are. What we are are heirs. We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. We are heirs of righteousness. We're heirs to all the goodness that God did. And we are his righteousness in the earth. But we have to learn to be dependent upon him. And this is where a great breakdown happens and where you and I need to make an identity shift. Look what Psalms 62 and 5 says. It says, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. Oh, if only this was true. The problem with us is the word dependent doesn't work real well for Americans. We're Americans. We're independent. My Lord, we, we have our own declaration of independence. Not only that, but we're not just Americans sitting here in this room, but we're also Texans. You talk about an independent group of people. I don't need nobody, nothing. I got it all figured out all by myself. In fact, as Texans, we, every time we don't like a president, we start talking about we can succeed. We don't need them. Texas be his own country. Hallelujah. It's amazing to watch the web just blow up. It's just online just blow up anytime something bad happens at the White House or on Capitol Hill. Well, we don't need them. We'll just succeed. Hallelujah. It's amazing to watch that. You talk about an independent group of people 
And you and I have to learn that our identity is not wrapped in our independence. Our, our identity needs to be wrapped in dependence on him and in him. And until you get to that place, you're going to have difficulties. In fact, I love what Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7 says. He says, you are no longer a slave. We sang something like that today. You are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also. Say the last word with me. And say it out loud. And heir. You are an heir. Not because of anything you've done, because of what he's done. Because you come and you've surrendered yourself to him. Listen, your children will get your money whether you want them to or not. Because you had them. It's like we were battling one time with this old fella trying to get a piece of property off of him. I got so mad at him. I said, that's okay. I said, you're going to die. Your kids will sell it to me. That's all right. We'll, we'll, I'll, wait, I'll, wait, I'll outweight you. He got all mad. <laughs> He's so funny. Why? Because we are heirs because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. And so as we dive into this today, I want to show you this moment when Abraham, who is kind of the father of faith. If we could kind of study this passage for a little bit, and I'll just kind of bring it out. I won't, I won't dive into all the verses, but kind of explain where it's at. In Genesis chapter 17, turn there with me, and we see this moment where God takes him from Abram and changes his name to Abraham, who we know him as the father of faith all throughout scriptures. The, the kind of the, the first one to really, really put their faith in the living God. And there's this moment in ch chapter 17, we want to read it, kind of our key passage here, and verse it says it like this, verse 5, and I believe into verse 6. It says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Can you imagine if God speaks to you and says, Your kids and your grandkids will literally be presidents. They will be kings in other countries. What a great promise. What a great plan of action. You get excited about that. Yes. Well, let me back you up. In this verse, in chapter 17, this, this is a moment that God has, I mean, that God has with Abram. Prior to this, and he changes his name to Abraham right here, but prior to this, Abraham is, he's a wealthy businessman in the land of Ur in the Chaldeans. He's a wealthy businessman who actually loves God. And he lives in an era when the majority of humanity does not care about the Creator. They have zero relationship with him. And so God looks down and he finds Abram and his wife Sarai and he sees that they really love him. And he sees that something needs to shift on the planet. So he approaches them. Abraham at this point is 75 years old. His wife Sarai is, is 65. And he approaches them and he speaks to them. He says, listen, I want to take you and make you a great nation. I want you to leave your land and go to a foreign land that I will give you. And all of your descendants will inhabit that land. And you'll be a great nation because you've served me. And your people will be my people and I will be your God. And Ab Abram's like, let's do this. He's a man of faith. So he picks up and he leaves. Now, can you imagine moving from the place you've lived your entire life for 75 years? Can you imagine? He knows every back road. He, has every, he, has, he, knows, he knows every person in his city who's a good person to do business with. He's a wealthy landowner, so he's going to sell off of his land. He, he knows who's a shyster in his town who not to do business with. And now he's going to move to a new land where he doesn't know any of that at 75 years of age. So he does it by faith on a promise that the land that I'm going to bring you to is going to be your land. Your descendants are going to fill this land. Y'all will be a great nation. It'll be a God-centered nation. The people will be my people, i.e. the Jews. That's why there's still argument and fighting over that space because of the promise hundreds of years ago. And so what happens is he says, okay, he does it. He moves. And he is 75. So you gotta, he's got to be thinking, to have a great nation, to have descendants, i got to make babies. 
Well, I'm 75, my wife's 65, so well, it'll take a miracle, but we believe in miracles. So they move off to this land, and I'm sure they're practicing, but no babies come. They don't have any babies. And so this thing goes on for 10 years. 10 years of practicing and trying to get some babies going, and they don't have any babies. They don't have anything. Well, Sarah's not getting younger. At this point, she is 75, and he's 85. You think about grandma and grandpa having kids right now. Don't think about that. That's wicked. Don't do that. That's terrible thought process. Erase that from your mind. <laughs> I mean, just it's terrible. It's terrible. Don't think like that. So Sarai decides, you know what? Abraham, Abram, let's sit, let's sit down and t- discuss this. All right, listen, I know God said this, but maybe what God needed us to do was help him in his plan. So here's what I propose. You know, I got that little maidservant gal, uh, Hagar, and she, she's young. So, you know, maybe it's on my side, maybe it's not on your side. So I'm going to give you a hall pass, and here's what I think we should do. I think you should connect with her one night and just see if the Lord will bless it. And stupid says, okay. <laughs> but just tell you, if your wife ever gives you that as a suggestion, that is not the Lord, and don't you dare go down that road. He said, okay. And so, Hagar becomes pregnant. She goes full term and gives birth to Ishmael. Abraham has a son. God can do what he said he was going to do. Now I can have descendants upon descendants. That's not God's plan at all. Because God from the very beginning said, you, Abram, and Sarai will have a child. And your descendants will be great in the earth. And I will make kings and greatness. Leaders will come from your descendants. You will be a great nation. You'll be my nation. You'll belong to me. See, Abram Abram had the ability to obey the Lord, but he still wasn't at a place where he completely depended upon the Lord. See, what happens many times is we become Christians and we say, Lord, I love you and I trust you and I follow you. And we have these moments of obedience, but we also have this difficulty being completely dependent. So he had to go through a moment of stupidity and realizing how independent he really was. Because at the end of 13 years of this little boy being alive, Sarai can't take it anymore. She hates Hagar, the mama. She hates, she hates uh, Ishmael. And she hates, she hates Abram for being a part of this whole thing. And there is turmoil in the house. Can you imagine? There is messiness all up in that house. And she sits Abram down. She says, I'm done. And I'm going to tell you right now, you better fix it. And Abram is so frustrated. And he says, whatever you want to do, just do it, girlfriend. I don't even want to think about it. So if you read the scriptures, Sarai begins to torment Poor Agar, she begins to torment, and there's a back and forth. Can you imagine? She has been the maidservant, but now all of a sudden, she's got the heir. That's her child. And so she's walking in, and Sarai says, hey, I need you to clean that up. She says, you clean it up. I mean, they're back and forth, boom, 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 until finally Abraham, Abram says, do whatever you want. And she says, all right, I'm going to make her miserable. I'm going to literally destroy. I don't know if she beat on her. I don't know what she did. But it was so intense that Hagar literally tried to run off and did. And God had to bring her back. And this whole, this whole mess happened. So it's in that mess in chapter 16, as chapter 16 comes to a close, that we then pick up in chapter 17 that we started with. And God comes to him. And basically what God's saying is, hey, hey, Abram, it didn't work your way, did it? You big idiot. Uh-huh. You're my boy. But the problem is you're still independent. See, only till we recognize that all of our efforts only make it more messy. 
Only when you and I come to the place where we say, Lord, I can't do it. I tried to fix it. I tried to make it work. I tried to be a Christian. I tried to be good. I tried to make all the right decisions in myself, but I didn't. And so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to obey you. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I'm just completely dependent upon you. You are Lord and I am not. You are God and I am not. I am your servant. I am, I am your dependent. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it the way you want it done. Until we get to that place. And the only way we get to that place is when we ultimately have all of this utter failure and trying to do it in our own strength. And then one day we wake up and say, I can't do it. I'm tired of trying to do it. So God, whatever you want, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. And that place is the safest place you could ever be. That is true identity in Christ. When you say, you know what, all I am is a dependent heir. God's doing stuff in my life simply because I've learned to be dependent upon him. I just do what he says to do. I don't even know why I'm doing it, but I just say, yes, sir, and he makes my life great. Friend, when you get to that identity shift, then what will happen is God will change your name. He says, you know what, you get it now. And so I'm not going to call you Abram anymore. I'm going to call you Abraham, which is in God's Hebrew name. The short version of his name is Ha. And so what God does is he puts his short name into Abram's name and calls him Abraham. I am in the midst of you now because you've completely surrendered and submitted to me. And now you are dependent. And now I can do something great in your life. This is what happens in this moment. This is a huge identity shift because Abraham, Abram has been a man of stature. Abraham has been a successful businessman. Abraham has made life work and it's been blessed and it's been magnificent. He's a good decision maker. He's a godly man. That's true. All those things are true. But he also has done it all independently at times of the living God. And so God said, I'm going to let you keep doing your little independent thing. And when you get to the end of yourself and you see how much mess you've created, maybe then you can come and let me be your living God. And maybe then you can be completely dependent upon me. I have gotten to a place in my life, I'm old enough now to just say, Lord, whatever you want. I'm, to, I'm tired of trying to make it happen in my own strength. I'm tired of trying to figure out how to get more people to go to church and serve God and how to get people to actually pray. I, I'm tired of trying to come up with little you know, strategies. Hey, look at here. Dun, 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 dun. Look at that. Isn't that great? Woo, woo, woo. I'm tired of all that, Lord. Lord, I'm dependent upon you. What you tell me to do, I'll do. What you tell me not to do, I'm not going to do. Whatever you I am a dependent heir. I have come to that place of safety in my identity is in him and not in what I accomplish and what I can do. Are you with me? Say yes. And so then God says, okay, you're ready to be dependent. Then I'm going to ask for an act of obedience. <laughs> Let's skip down and see what he asked for. <clears throat> in chapter uh, 17, verse 9, and it says, and then God said to Abram, uh, Abraham, because he's changed his name, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. Verse 10, every male among you shall, you shall circumcise. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. I will imagine Abraham said what? Say that one more time. I mean, he's, 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 he's 99. I mean, he's, he's at that space, and you want me to do What? You want to talk about, how many times has God said, now, in my holy scriptures, I tell you to go and confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And you said, no. How many times has he said in his holy word, if you want to be forgiven, then forgive men their sins. And we said, mm, no, you don't, you don't know. This person does not deserve my acceptance of their forgiveness. You, you don't know, God, what I've been through. 
You don't understand what's happening right now in real time. I'm not going to put up with it. See, that's independence. And see, independence is the chief characteristic of the flesh, of the sin nature. It's the chief characteristic. The chief characteristic of a spirit-led individual who follows God is complete dependence. Lord, whatever you say, I will do. So Abraham, from that point forward, every Jewish man, the history of the, from this point forward, however many hundreds and hundreds of years, have been circumcised as a mark that we are completely obedient and dependent upon you, the living God. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, who's been grafted into the family, he says we don't have to have a, a physical circumcision anymore as a sign of our dependency, but a, a circumcision of my heart. That, Lord, my heart belongs to you. Whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you want me to, wherever you want me to go, I will go. And I want to give you, real quick, because people always ask me, so, so how, do I, how do I just follow God? How do, how do I do it? Well, let me give you two sources of guidance for the, for the dependent. If you're really going to be dependent upon the Lord, you have two sources that are supposed to guide you, that you and I are supposed to submit to, that we're supposed to obey. Number one is the Holy Word, and number two, the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Word, and number two, the Holy Spirit. He put his word together so that we could have his thoughts, his life desires for us in the Holy Scriptures. That's why reading the Bible is not a chore or a duty. It is the life source for each and every one of us. David said, I've hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Lord, your word is a light unto my path. It gives me guidance which way to go. I, I, I know what to do because you've already said it, and I just am going to completely depend upon your word. And friend, can I tell you something? The word of God works against my sin, in, uh, independent nature. It works against it. Because I have, to, I have to depend upon the Lord that what he says is still relevant for 2020. What he says is still active and alive. And I have to trust him that it's for me and not for everybody else. And that place of dependence is where the supernatural happens. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how many of us are still so independent and we pick and choose out of the word. Ah, I like that, but I don't like that. Ooh, I like that, but I don't like that. That's what independent people do. That's what Americans do. That's why we have so many Americans that call themselves Christians, but they don't obey. And Jesus said, you're my disciples if, you're mine if you obey my teachings. That's what Jesus said. And so I can always identify people as whether they're a real Christian or a fake Christian, but just simply do they, do they obey the word of God? Because that's how Jesus said we would be able to identify us, those who actually obey. And I'm going to tell you something. It is a struggle daily for me even to obey the things of the word of God especially things like tithing and, and, things like, and things like loving my brother who's, that's not really my brother, and, and forgiving those who've sinned against me. I mean, I'm an only child, and we grew up with not a whole lot, and so, you know, my concept was, you know, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. And my concept was, if you mess with me, I'm going to make you pay. Make you pay. And so to be loving and forgiving, those are all concepts that dependents have to walk in, and it's concepts that independent individuals struggle with. And then the second, if you will, guiding force is the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send to you the Comforter, and he will guide you. Every day the Holy Spirit speaks to me about something and literally guides me, and I make a choice every day whether to obey or disobey. Every day. I can remember one time Jamie and I were sitting at a restaurant with a pastor, and and I've told you the story, but it's mine, so I'll tell it again. We were sitting there, and, and, and you know, uh, we were sitting there talking to the guy, and, and, uh, and, and, and this little waitress kept coming back and forth, and, and, and I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit say, I want, you, I want you to tell her something. 
I want, you to, I want you to minister to her. I have a word for her. I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm sitting there and we're talking to the pastor and I'm trying to, we're, you know, we're going to be ministering in this church that weekend and we're sitting at the table and the gal kept coming and, and I was like, okay, Lord, what you want me to tell her? What you want me to tell her? And at one point I, I just interrupted her. I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she goes, yes. I was like, God bless you. I had, I could, nothing was coming. I was like, Lord, what's the problem? And so I, I just kind of kept pushing it off. I was like, no, that can't be you. Must be the pizza from last night. I'm messing with my mind. It's because, you know, I've been watching too many YouTube videos of great preachers. I don't know what it is. That can't be you. And I just kept feeling this unction, this unction. I, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe unless you're a, a genuine believer. And then you know what I'm talking about. It's like the Spirit of the Lord will encourage you, push you towards goodness. And, and so we go to leave. And as we're going to walk out, you know, we've got about an hour drive. So Jamie goes, you know what? I need to take a, a restroom break before we get on the road. And the, and the pastor said, well, yeah, me too. So she goes to the ladies' room. He goes to the men's room. I'm kind of standing there, you know, almost in the lobby area. And all of a sudden, here she comes. She's got a plate. She's got all the plates. And she's trying to bring them into the kitchen. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying, now, now, now. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. And then she's like, yes. I said, um, I'm like, anytime, anytime, anytime now. I, I, I just, uh, ma'am, I just want you to know God loves you. And she said, okay. And the moment I made that step of obedience, then all of a sudden a thought came. It is like a thought in my mind. And God wanted me to tell you that he's taking care of your kids. And she goes, <gasps> She, she started, I'm grabbing the stuff, helping her set it down for her. She's, she's balling. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? And she said, and she gathers herself. She said, thank you. She said, uh, thank you. I needed that because she goes, I have two kids. Well, actually, my 16-year-old daughter last year was kidnapped. And um, they found her a couple months later, and she had been murdered. And, and she starts losing it. And I'm losing it. I'm like, oh, my God. And she said, but I, but I have a, have a four-year-old at home, and I work in this job just to try to finance her. And thank you. And she goes running off. And, and I'm like, wow. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, see your active obedience? You don't understand, buddy. Every day she cries out to me, God, do you have my baby girl? Is she in your arms? God, is she in your arms? Because I did every day, Adam, she gets up and she blames herself that that 16-year-old was kidnapped and murdered. And she worries every day she gets in the car and goes to work, what's going to happen with that 4-year-old that she can't sit there? And for you to say to her the truth that I'm watching out to her kids and I got it all taken care of, for you to say that you have no idea what that does for this woman, how it set her free, and how she can now love me and serve me with all of her. Can I tell you something? You and I have to learn to be dependent upon the Lord. That's our identity. Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in what he's done, and that we just follow along like little kids. Don't you love little kids? A baby does not worry about what they're going to eat. A baby does not worry about what how life is going to happen. They don't know how the electricity gets turned on. A little child doesn't know where the food comes from or where the blankets come from all they know is that mom and daddy take care of them are you with me say yes and that's the mark of a true believer is that you know what I'm completely dependent upon him I don't know where it's all going to come from I'm just doing my best to obey him and your word promises me that as I'm dependent upon you I will be an heir of everything that you have and so I want to give you a couple of the benefits come on stay with me a couple of the benefits that happens from you and I being dependent heirs number one write this down come on moving fast can you tell I sped it up 
Number one, <laughs> the kids' ministry loves me. Number one, peace. See, when you're dependent, you walk in peace. One of the most amazing couple of God in our church, Furman and Viola. Furman passed away this week. Viola, as we've been interacting with her up at the hospital and stuff and planning the funeral out, she says, Pastor, I'm good because I know he's in the arms of the Father. I said, Viola, are you okay? And she had to make some tough decisions, you know, with the medical, you know, professionals and, and, and making decisions and, with, with, you know, how to go about doing this thing. And, and she said, Pastor, I'm such at peace. It doesn't make any sense. I said, yeah, it does, because you're completely dependent upon the Lord. See, when you're dependent upon the Lord, you can walk at peace. If you're stressed and worried, that's proof that you're not completely dependent. It is. I used to live in a life of total stress and worry and frustration, trying to build great ministries and change the world, praise God. And I tell you, I just about killed myself because I was trying to do it in my own strength instead of just dependent upon the Lord. Lord, tell me where to go today. Tell me what to do today. I'll follow you. I'm just going to work my job that you gave me, and I'm going to be obedient to everything you have me do. And as a result, guess what I am? I'm an heir. I receive things I don't deserve. Are you with me? God does things for me that I didn't work for. Are you there? Say yes. You're sitting in part of it. We did, I didn't work for this building. Another church built this building and, and gave it to us. That's, a, that's a, crazy. We are heirs as we learn to be dependent. First thing that you receive or the first benefit of that is that peace. And here's the second one. Number two is provision. Provision. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus is dealing with this whole thing. He says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat and drink? Why are you so upset about all these things? Your father knows you have need of them. Look, look at the lilies of the field. He, he colors them. He dresses them better than the richest person on the planet. Look at the birds. They don't worry about where they're going to eat. He feeds them. You're more important to him than the birds and the flowers. And he says in verse 13, verse 33, excuse me, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. They'll be given to you. I I will provide for you if you will just simply be dependent upon me. If you keep being independent, I can't help you. But if you'll just come, you know how that is. You ever had a kid that wanted to prove himself? I can do it. Watch this. I'm going to do it my way. All right, go ahead. You sit there and you watch and go, you can't get the lawnmower started, huh? Mm. Mm. You want daddy to do it? No, I can do it. Okay. Well, call me. I'm going to go back and watch the game. Why? Because they have acted so independent that you let them at it. I believe so many times what we do is we act so independent that God's like, okay, well, when you, when you finally have created enough Ishmael's, let me know. And I'll come help you. When you finally decide you keep messing it up, and you're blaming it on me, and you're finally ready just to submit and obey, <laughs> let me just lead you. If you'll just, let, if you'll just be dependent upon me, just be a dependent, I will take care of you. I will give you peace, and I'll give you provisions, all that you ever could need. Are you still there? Say yes. Yeah. And then here's the third thing, and that is confidence. See, a dependent person is confident. And I love what Jesus does. In John chapter 5 and verse 18, they're ticked off at him, all the religious leaders are so mad at him. Look at it says in verse 18, it says, for this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. What did he do that everybody wanted to kill him? That the leaders of the day, the Christian leaders, the, 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 the followers of God wanted to kill him. 
Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, <laughs> they had these rules that you couldn't do on the Sabbath, and he was breaking them in their mind, but he was even calling God his own father. Well, God is his father. And making himself equal with God. Well, he is God. In verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. So Jesus rebuttals their whole complaint about this, that, and the other. And Jesus is so confident, and his confidence comes from this. Hey, I'm dependent upon, I only do what I see him doing. I only say what I hear him say. You're only mad at me because you don't love him. Because if you knew him and you loved him, you would look at me and go, oh, you're just like him. But because Satan is your father, and not God the father, you hate me. Friend, can I just tell you something? The world will never really like you. If you're a dependent believer, the world, you cannot make them like you. They're, you have a different dad. They're not going to really like you. They're going to always hate you and say, well. <laughs> it's amazing. And no matter how nice you are, how much you try to just like, they're never going to. Wickedness cannot enjoy righteousness. Darkness, what fellowship does it have with light? That's what the Bible teaches us, right? And so as believers, as followers of the living God, as you and I learn to be dependent upon him, what will happen is just like Jesus, we say, listen, listen, I'm sorry you're mad at me, but I'm only doing what he told me to do in Scripture. I, I, I am a follower of the living God. I'm dependent upon him. And that brings confidence. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in confidence. I want to walk in the room and know that daddy has walked in the room before me, that he's got it all figured out, he's got it all worked out. In fact, I, I, have you seen these AT&T commercials? I want to play one for you for just a moment for you guys that don't watch TV because you're a Christian or whatever. But I want, I want to play I one of these <laughs> commercials. Have you seen this one about just okay? Go ahead, play that one. Oh, yeah. He's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. I love that commercial. And the reason why I love it is because none of us want to just, okay, somebody that halfway has it figured out or halfway tried. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not just okay. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Being dependent upon the great one is not a problem. It's not a bad thing. It's not, you don't have to fix God, I promise you. You don't have to tell him, hey, Lord, I just don't think you understand young people right now. I think what you and I need to learn to do is whatever he says in the Holy Scriptures, whatever he, the Holy Spirit's telling us, just follow. And as we follow, what will happen is our confidence can grow, not in ourselves, but in him. He's the great doctor. He's the great healer. He's the great leader. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So my identity is not in what I can do. My identity is in the fact that I'm nothing more. Listen, I'm a dependent heir. That's all I am. I just depend on him. Whatever he tells me to do, I just do. What, what peace to say I'm not in control of my life. I'm following him. What peace to say to my children, kids, I love you so much, but this isn't dad's philosophy. This is what God told me to do. Hey, kids, I love you so much, and I know that that's what all the other kids are doing at school, but the word of God says this. Now, either you can follow and be dependent with me, or you can do your own independent thing, but at the end of the day, I'm a dependent heir, and all the benefits of heaven are, are yielded towards me simply because I'm dependent. Are you with me? Say yes. And here's the last and final one, and that is authority. 
authority. Philippians 2 and 8 says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Jesus became obedient to death, even the death on the cross, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at that name, Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is all-powerful and all authority because he obeyed and went to the cross. See, his dependence upon the Father, his obedience gave him authority. Have you ever been around somebody, have you ever worked with somebody that because they got a title they thought they had authority? Don't you, you can't stand those people. It's like, dude, if you have to keep telling me who you are, you're not that person. Well, I'm the manager. Well, obviously not. You've got to keep telling us you're the manager. Nobody's listening to you because you're not a very good leader. At the end of the day, you need to understand that your authority comes from his authority. And I, I can walk in his authority because I'm obedient to him. Because I'm a dependent heir. I'm a dependent son, a dependent daughter. And the Bible says it like this. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to him. He's put all things under Jesus' feet. Sickness, disease, wickedness, all that has been put under his feet. And so many times you don't live from a position of authority because you still are in the old man. You still are the independent individual. But when you're the dependent, Lord, whatever you say, I do. Wherever you go, I go. Whatever you want, you are the Lord of my life, and I am completely dependent upon you. When you're dependent, you get to walk in that authority. I've told you this story before, but I was in Guatemala one time, and the traffic was real bad. We were running late for the service, and a little guy driving, he took the curve and a cut, and he goes through a back... And all of a sudden, he comes around, we're trying to do a shortcut, and we're running late for service. And as soon as we come around the corner, and he's about to go around this truck, there's this little dude standing out there. He's got a whistle and a T-shirt that says, Policia. And he goes, like that. And he's standing out in the middle of traffic. And he stopped us. I'm like, dude, what are you stopping for? He goes, ooh, Policia. I was like, dude, it's a dude in a T-shirt. That guy ain't got nothing. He goes, no, that's a Policia. I was like, bro, he's got shorts and a T-shirt. He don't have no gun. He don't have a radio. Drive past him, he goes, no, 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 policia. This little dude is standing out there like he is the cat's meow. <laughs> I'm like, man, listen, you blow on Barney Fife and he's going to fall over, bro. Let's just keep going. It didn't matter how big he was. It didn't matter if he had a gun or not. See, he was one under authority, therefore he had authority. So he, had, he had the authority of the entire police force. And, so, and the little guy driving knew that. So he wasn't about to get his license plate written down and then show up at his house and take his car away. And I'm American. I'm independent. Like, we ain't going to listen to him. He's making bad decisions right now. He's like, no, 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 no. He has authority. See, you don't have authority because you're so great. You have authority because he's so great. You have authority to say to sickness, you got to go. Not because you're so spiritual and you never looked at porn and you never lied and you never cheated and you never hated anybody and now you have authority. No, no, you have authority because you belong to Jesus Christ. And whatever your old man's been doing and whatever you've been trying to defeat and try to beat down, that no, has no relevance on who you are. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. First and foremost, you're a new creation. And number two, you need to learn to walk in the ability of being completely dependent heir. I'm an heir not because I'm good. I'm an heir because 
because I'm dependent. I'm an heir not because I did right. I'm an heir because I'm totally dependent. And what he says goes and what he wants, I do it. When you come to that place, you'll start walking in authority. You'll start moving in confidence. You'll start having peace. I promise you right now. You'll start having provisions. Why? Because he's in charge. You're not worried about nothing because he's in charge and I'm just following him. Are you with me today? Say yes.